welcome to our Deeper Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Have you ever had a question for the opposite sex in which you seek to be answered authentically? On this podcast, that is exactly what we do. I discuss intimate topics with guests as they share their point of view about dating, sex and relationships. We are raw and authentic to reveal the essence of how the opposite sex feels about today's topic we are exploring. If you have a question, please feel free to write to us and ask. It just might inspire our next episode and get answered. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's dive in deep to today's topic. Welcome to Our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast. I'm Sarah Finlay and thank you so much for listening. In today's episode, we will be discussing monogamy. It feels like many people are now questioning monogamy. I know I definitely am myself. It feels like most relationships are coming to an end because someone has either had one or multiple infidelities in the relationship. Divorce rates are high right now. 40 to 50% of married couples in the United States get divorced. So the question is, deep down inside, do we really want to be monogamous or is this an old belief and way of life that no longer serves society and humanity in 2018? To share the female's perspective, my friend Sal joins us to have a chat. Welcome to the show. Thanks, sir. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think people want to be monogamous? Do you want to be monogamous? There's probably too many questions I'm throwing at you, but what are your initial thoughts? Um, I think it's an ideal that we've had given to us for what we've grown up with, we've had entrenched. And I think that most people still subscribe to it and aim for it. And I think it's probably something that's only through discussion like this becoming even a possibility. But I think a lot of people, even deep down, wouldn't admit to wanting the opposite wanting anything else. Yeah, because I feel like it's very taboo and I've actually, well, I know it is because I've already interviewed, I'm interviewing a couple about this that has an open relationship and I've already interviewed the husband and he doesn't even feel like they can be honest about how their marriage is to people because some people will judge. Yeah, I can understand. I think that just even the response from people that put themselves down on Tinder as poly um, is really negative. Oh, really? Do you know someone that's done that? I know a lot of um, my brother's friends who are a little bit younger, they're all about 28, 29, have a laugh at lots of girls that they see on Tinder who put themselves down as poly. Really? Um, okay. It's just a word for fuck, really. It's just a label themselves that means they can sleep, sleep around, yeah, which I find a bit offensive, but I think probably either, you know, there's a wide range of people that put themselves down as poly for different reasons, but... Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely still taboo, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to be monogamous, do you think, or are you non-monogamy? What what do you feel? I think that it is a really nice ideal and I think that it's, I hope that it's achievable. I've had monogamous relationships before, lots of them, and I like the idea of having a lifelong monogamous partner, whether that's something that society can actually allow now we have sex crammed down our throats a lot Mm. Um, and we have a lot of freedom that we didn't have before. Whether it's a realistic possibility for a lifetime is really something I'm kind of still exploring. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. You could have a monogamous relationship for a lifetime or monogamous relationship for for whatever duration the relationship has. 
Yeah, exactly. I guess the idea of, and I think that's probably where more people are leaning towards um, is having lots of longer relationships in their life instead of one outliving the rest but, and having brief periods of bachelor freedom in between. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, which I find that a scary idea too because it kind of insinuates that because in between every relationship you have mourning, hurt, sadness, all of that stuff. So it's kind of scary. The thought of having various different relationships that are monogamous because you've got to go through the hurt and the healing. Yeah, just having a series of relationships instead of one um, long-standing. Yeah. Because of all the pain at the end of it. Yeah. So do you feel like it might be safer just to be in a long-term monogamous, yeah, safety? I mean, that that was one of the main reasons they had it, right, was safety. We didn't live that long and to create, you know, And a stable family environment, I think the idea is that having kids and having a long-term monogamous relationship with kids is the ideal and the standard and that's kind of being broken down a little bit. Yeah, because I wouldn't say that most marriages and monogamous relationships are stable or healthy for children anyway. So I, uh, yeah, this great. notion of staying together for the kids, even though it's super toxic, the actual toxic relationships what toxic to the children really. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Well, do you think the attraction is to being monog- uh, non-monogamous? I think people have got, this is probably going to be a bit of a contentious issue, but I think people have got fear of missing out, to be honest. Yeah. People um, are, are scared of committing long-term and then having that pain and heartache. And yeah. I think people actually would steer away from monogamous relationships to avoid being cheated on, left, or getting bored themselves in relationships. So I think probably for the wrong reasons, people are chasing non-monogamous relationships. Yeah. Well, this so far the conversations I've had, it's definitely people say about the intention behind why you're doing it, which is really life as well. What's the intention of why you are or are not doing it? So um, why do you think people might be scared of non-monogamy? Well, you mean monogamy? No, I know it's so confusing. Non-mon. No, uh, like people people scared of maybe being in an open relationship. I'll use the word open relationship yeah. So of yeah. some sort. So open relationship, um, also just to put it out there, could be anywhere from the the base level of plays a threesome um, up to maybe a swinger's lifestyle of either going to sex parties or having rules where maybe you, you're allowed to hook up with someone while you're not in the same city or maybe you do hook up in, you know, in the presence of each other. And then you've also got poly, which is having more than one partner that it's based more on love with, whereas the swinger's lifestyle based more on sex. So why do you think people are scared of open relationships? Hurt, complications. I think we've only really had it modelled through our, I think a lot of people's experience of it is just from their kind of explorative younger years where they're out having fun, exploring things, being curious rather than actually kind of established with your own values as an adult and deciding on having an open relationship, which is pretty different. Yeah. The idea of being hurt, having kind of rules within that that are broken then Mm. Like I'm guessing that a, for an open relationship to work, you actually do have to have some set boundaries 
you can't really have a relationship without any boundaries at all. I don't think that would work. But I think people are really scared of setting boundaries and rules and having those broken or committing to somebody that has, that wants to have no rules, which might then actually just be a control thing. That's what I would be scared of myself. Yeah, which I find interesting because people, and I believe that's definitely a real fear out there for people is the rules broken and whatnot, but people are breaking rules every day in their marriage that apparently they're vowed for. So the So how I see it is the risks of either type of relationship is the same. So in the end, people are scared of getting hurt because it doesn't feel so nice to feel hurt. You can get hurt in a monogamous relationship that lasts a lifetime, multiple ones, or in an open relationship. And guess what? All of those relationships actually come with their own rules And something that I've been learning through personal experiences, talking to people about this topic, talking to friends and whatnot, is I don't think we do communicate enough in relationships, even monogamous relationships. And that's where the breakdown actually is. And personally, for me, what I'm really intrigued about and love about the open relationships is people that decide to go into them fully self-aware and understand that it's possibly going to bring up pain points and trigger points like possibly jealousy, um, whatever their insecurities are, but it's also an opportunity to heal those as well because they're being triggered and they're in a relationship where they're, they're talking openly. So do you know anyone that's in like open relationships or anything at all? Yeah, I do. I have used to have a couple of friends in poly relationships they weren't close friends, so more actually my ex's friends. And I know of two couples in open relationships now as well. Again, they're not really close friends, so they're kind of peripheral. And they seem quite happy. Yeah, that's incredible. I didn't know any in Australia. Yeah, well, the poly relationship that I knew ended up the woman in the relationship. It's a. So was it a male and female? Yeah, yeah, yep. sorry. I was about to say it's a hetero. She. Um, after I think a couple of years of being in a poly relationship with him, said, I want this to be a monogamous relationship and he committed and they got married. They've been married now with a kid for a couple of years. So without asking details, it appeared that they worked it out. So, yeah. But obviously she wasn't as happy and maybe raised concerns earlier than he did, I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So you've dabbled in a little bit of non-monogamy, right, the little base level? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. And how was <laughs> and how was that for you? Like is that why you know that you want a monogamous relationship or? Um, I had a big number of years that were experimental, I'm going to say, and then I yeah. had a, lot, a few years where I well, I'm quite open sexually and I would say I'd probably lived a bit of a swinger lifestyle for a while. It's probably not actually very satisfying. And why was that? Because I think for... The idea of and the reality of getting to know someone really well and intimately and kind of just committing yourself to them sexually is actually really a nice thing and makes you feel really stable and comfortable and I think that's a good thing. And what and what did you feel in the swinger lifestyle? Um, it's a bit of instability, to be honest. I feel okay. like freedom that you have with being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, is great but it definitely closes you off to that kind of relationship and that sense of that not being a possibility because the kind of people that you would meet in that lifestyle 
attracted, I don't think, to swinger parties, loose kind of. Yeah, describe it for us. I haven't been to one of these and a lot of our listeners haven't. So tell us about it. Um, well, <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, in my like early 20s, I probably went to lots and lots of different parties where there were drugs involved and no real, no monogamous couples there, usually just swinger couples. Okay. And they're kind of, it was a lot of fun going to parties for the sake of going to parties. But then after doing that, you know, for a long time and going to different clubs, events, parties, hanging out with different people, getting to know different people, going to bush tours, hanging out with different subcultures. It's lots of fun. Um, but at the end of the day, you can, you know, settle down. I can find someone and be in a monogamous relationship and, and still go to house parties and have fun without having to be sexually open to having anything happen during the night. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't necessarily find it boring. In fact, the older I get, the more into having conversation with people I am at parties rather than sitting in a corner. Yes. (laughs) So did it feel a little bit superficial, a little bit surface level for you? Uh, Those parties? Primal, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't. It wasn't surface level. It was very raw. Yep. Um, But not something that is very satisfying. Like I think the idea of kind of being wasted or being with a group of people who are a little bit loose is not actually that satisfying. Like I don't think there's that many platforms like that where you can stop and go, well, hang on, I'm going to tell you exactly what I like in bed because it doesn't really roll like that. I think it's probably you're more likely to have somebody find your real desires and meet your needs that knows you well. Yeah. Um, Is it a little bit, was it a little bit the Aussie term pump and dump sort of in these parties? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, So pump and dump just for the Americans out there, I'm not referring to breast milk and that. I'm actually referring, it's more like what maybe happens sexually with a male. He pumps it out and dumps it out. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to explain (laughs) Aussie lingo. Is that Uh, not an American term? No. (laughs) We have the most press expressions, don't we? We do. But we are teaching everyone out there as they listen of the Aussie lingo. (laughs) So many words. So many words. There's (laughs) There's lots. You should write a dictionary after this. It'll be fun. So, all right. So the swinger, yeah. So the swinger parties, it just feels really prime. Do you feel like um, I know sometimes when I've been to places like when I've uh, when I went to Nepal and I was the only white female walking the streets and predominantly men there and then also women, but there was no other white females walking the streets. I had every man looking at me and I've, there's also this place in Singapore and it feels a little bit gross, you know, a little bit, does it, does it feel like that a little bit at these swinger parties because it's just like everyone's on the hunt and one thing and it's very primal. Did that, does it got that energy there or what's the energy there? No, I never went to parties that felt like that. I always went to places that felt inviting, secure, safe, fun, never threatening. Okay. I wouldn't stick around probably if I, was, if I felt like that at a place. So what do you mean by primal then? More like literally rolling with the punches. I think that like in the late 90s and early 2000s, when I was young, I went to parties where everyone was pretty high. 
MDMA was pretty big and mm-hmm. um, the feeling of just letting go and throwing caution to the wind and just having fun was the overriding. Yeah, like, so it just sounds idea. wild. Yeah. yeah, just wild, yeah. some wild fun in the moment. And there wasn't an imbalance of men and women. It was kind of 50-50 at a lot of these places. So it wasn't like people were out prowling. It's people were actually just chilled out sitting around in beanbags in different places. It's Interesting. Yeah, it was a bit more relaxed than you'd think. Okay, and um, then and then what made you decide to stop doing it? Just like lost interest, done that, whatever, bored? Yeah, I think I had years of being pretty out there. And just the nature of the way that I um, like to interact socially has changed. Like I prefer to go to parties to talk to people and chat now, whereas when you're a little bit younger, you're probably... I don't know, have the perception that you go to a party to dance and to have fun and having fun is dancing and kind of being out there and crazy and um, letting your head out. But now it's mm. more like a relaxing thing without socialising for me a bit too. Okay. And how do you generally your girlfriends, and when I say girlfriends I mean female friends, feel about open relationships do you think do you think a lot of them feel nervous about it or some of them are are open to them or like what what do you think the general vibe is with women I think the general um attitude towards open relationships is gross they're weird conservative and I think even with really out there friends probably less so but majority of my friends would be like each to their own but personally no thank you and they don't really know anyone that is in a real open relationship. I feel like that could also be a bit reflective of the Australian culture versus I'm here in LA at the moment mm-hmm. and open relationships feels pretty common actually. Not really? like common, common, you know, like mm. but pretty common because I feel like Los Angeles is actually quite as much as people like to say, oh, it's fake and whatnot and it can have that side, it's actually I feel like you're free to be able to be yourself here and it's a lot more accepting and it doesn't really matter and whatnot. So the conversations about this in Los Angeles are a lot more common and people are a lot more open versus Australia. Australia is very scared of change, whereas I feel like Mm -hmm. America embraces change. Um, myself and I feel like I can have conversations like this more with my American friends than my Australian friends actually. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, just just to put it into perspective about different cultures I suppose as well and that's the point, different cultures, you know, the perspectives change. So so the big main thing when it comes to uh, open relationships, in order for them to be successful you need to have trust and you need to have boundaries and there needs to be very, very thorough communication. In fact, um, I was chatting to someone today for the podcast as well. And he actually said that in the open relationships, some of them put time away every single week to talk, even if you don't feel like it. So the, the, the thing that I'm curious about with that is, do you think maybe there's more secrets in monogamous relationships compared to open relationships? Because there's this forced communication and a big part of the open relationship really? is the communication. Yeah, I can probably just hearing that there's more talk about open relationships in LA, I'm guessing that if you took a standard open relationship on the whole, functional or not, there'd probably be a lot more dialogue about sex and about happiness together as a unit. Mm. And there would probably the Australian standard heterosexual monogamous relationship where I think 
it's stereotype, but true probably that it's very closed and a little bit disconnected emotionally, especially long-term relationships. I think there becomes less communication over the time. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what's killing it for people. Um, is there isn't an open communication happening and and it's even creating a safe space for your partner to be able to tell you something that maybe might be difficult for you to hear but they've got to be in their truth but people are unable to do that often because it triggers something in them and then that just goes crazy and um, can't like keep it calm to just hear what the other person has to say whereas in an open relationship, people are walking into that knowing you already know my partner's going to get triggered over time because they're either going to feel jealous or insecure or not good enough or something like something's going to come through and that's going to happen to me and and together you work through that. Yeah, so true. Definitely. Uh, and then yeah. and then you've got all the the rules. There's actually tends to be more rules in a open relationship than there are in a monogamous relationship. Oh wow. Yeah. And the and eventually I'm gonna have a friend on here as well because I think we've got a few things to learn from the gays and we're gonna talk about even how gay relationships, how they they set the rules out up front as well and boundaries and things like that too. So I think it's very interesting how depending on the dynamic of the relationship, how it's approached. Yeah, absolutely. And so, monogamy in the gay communities experiencing well the gay community is experiencing a lot of pressure and lots of issues personally lots of women I know in the gay dating scene have issues with monogamy being kind of almost out of fashion at the moment yeah right I guess probably with heterosexuals as well like the tinder um an online dating thing has kind of exploded and meant that people can have a date every night of the week if they want and kind of really try on different um I don't know different relationships easily Mm. really easily what I like about this and questioning relationships and the structure and the dynamic is I think we can learn and take the good bits out of each one and hopefully create a solid base of something however that fits into your life don't you think yeah definitely it's interesting with all the social media advances we've had it doesn't there's no blanks that have been filled in with communication between couples. In fact, probably text text fighting is a major downside of this communication era that's like I would say opened up a chasm of like issues in relationships. Yeah. Um, it's tone over text being misread. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Well, what people in the end actually want is connection, but through the technology they're getting disconnected and then also this fear of missing out and social media and trying to make your life look glamorous and perfect, um, you're also missing out on connection as well because either maybe you're not committing to someone and so you're not feeling a deep connection or maybe you have committed to someone but you're not really connecting deeply and you're too busy on your phone like Mm. I I really love to people watch so much fun and something that I find fascinating is watching couples at a restaurant and how many do not talk are looking at their phone or staring into space yep there's just like nothing going on oh yeah or maybe they're fighting there's a few that are laughing I mean 
my brother and I were in Thailand a couple of years ago and um, he he got a scooter and was riding us around and we we drove past this restaurant and I saw this couple that was staring into space and I made a comment to my brother and then maybe five minutes later we come past the restaurant again and they're still staring into space. I'm like, geez, that looks like a fabulous dinner. <laughs> Love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> there's just this disconnect happening or maybe they've spent too much Ooh. time together and they've been on a one month holiday and it's nearly at the end and they just need to yeah. get home I don't know but oh, I, how many meals do people share over a relationship of like seven eight years I mean you don't have to go out and talk to each other while you're at dinner it's just, that's a stereotype as well you can go out and have a meal together and just be in each other's company and that's okay that's true but they just look like they don't want to be there <laughs> yeah for sure I think a lot of people have, I'm not going to say resting bitch face because it's a really negative gendered term, but I just did it. Um, <laughs> kind of a blank expression when they're staring off into space, but they might actually just be having some quiet time together. But, I, yeah, I think people can be judged easily having dinner or lunch together, yeah. not talking. But actually it's nothing necessarily wrong with it. Reading books, like you've got basically Kindle capabilities on your phone now. Two people sitting at a restaurant, dinner time is a bit weird, I think, but having breakfast and both being on your phones, I don't see the problem with it as long as you're not doing it in there, as long as people aren't doing it. I don't know, it's making them unhappy. It's just an observation of just noticing people maybe being oh. together but not necessarily present and connected. And throwing things out of control, yeah. That feels definitely out of balance and trying to find balance with that so so you know a few people that have um come out and said that they're in a relation open relationship do you feel like it's becoming more and more common now or Um, I've definitely noticed on Instagram and Facebook which are the two platforms I use people that I know uh are talking about open relationships and and disclosing that they're in open relationships openly which I found a huge change from like even five years ago why do you think that's that shift's happening now? I think that's probably well the freedom that people have now that it's not expected to to get that everybody gets married and has kids. There's a real like choice now that it's okay not to have kids, and it's not because you can't have kids. It's not because you're taking an environmental stand. People are allowed to just say, "I don't want kids because I like my lifestyle." Yeah, or a whole heap of reasons, and that's okay. It's accepted, and I think that the change is coming from that. People now have more to explore in the way of, well, what do they want instead of the three, 2.5 kids with a um, heterosexual partner, which is the norm, which is a, a stereotype. So if you have that rejected, then you can carve out your own thing. So I think people are. Yeah. Do you, do you think so, that's a good thing? People are now starting to question relationships and the structure and the dynamic compared to being told what's been happening for generations? Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be drawbacks to it as well. Like it might mean that people have more years of experimenting and which is not a bad thing, but maybe maybe it takes people longer to find what they want and maybe people are less likely to admit that they do want the standard and the norm because it's not as fashionable. Does that make sense? Because mm. um, it it's actually in some circles, like a few circles I'd, would know a lot of people in, like my big lesbian gang. You're a bit of a loser if you want a picket fence and a kid. Really? Yeah, totally. Yep. 
Wow. Um, yeah, it's almost like scorned. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, and I think like Orange is the New Black and a couple of TV shows that have popped up crucify hetero relationships and normal relationships a bit as well with kind of the purpose of going, well, rejecting the norm, we can carve out something different. Quite interesting. Yeah. But I think the only down, one of the downsides could be that people who want to be, want to carve out something different, but that might not necessarily be included. That might take a little bit more time to come back to, well, actually that's what I really want and that's fine. I've met some people that have done that, that have been in monogamous relationships, not sure if it's what they want, experiment, sort of walk out the line a little bit and then come full circle and realise that they do just want the monogamous relationship and they're happy with that. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Also, we change over our lifetime. We're yeah. always going to have the same values as we did 10 years ago. At, what, 24, I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. Or I definitely know a bit more and have a lot more really concrete values that I would stick to and hold myself to. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because we're in reverse. So you were single in your 20s and you got to experiment and whatnot. I was in a relationship for a long time, basically a marriage, and now I find myself in my 30s early now, like almost like catch up as a 20-year-old in some ways. But the difference between when I think you're in your 20s and when you're in your 30s, if you've done some work, is you get to and very much aware of yourself under you know know yourself better and maybe understand what your values are and are not and what your boundaries are and whatnot which is really good too whereas maybe in your 20s you float a little bit more because you're just not quite sure yeah and if you're single and ready to mingle but know your boundaries and know what you like in your 30s you've got the possibility I think more of having better sex be it in a relationship or not yeah but because you're probably best especially for us more assertive and more sure of yourself much more likely to have more satisfying interactions with people and fuck off kind of people that aren't for you earlier whereas when I was 23 24 I would I don't know quietly kind of I just had a bit less voice to say no nah, you're not right for me yeah yeah you know, if it was really going badly right now I'd get up and go sorry mate so, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what that also demonstrates? That de- demonstrates to me a beautiful level of self-love that you have yeah, then as definitely. well because that's what it comes mm. down to. And it saddens me to think that people are even judged for having a monogamous relationship. I didn't realise that was an attitude because in yeah. the end I think maybe people might think, I mean, dream world, hope I'm not, hope it can become a reality that we can just accept people for who they are no matter what they choose and everyone has their choices and not put them down for their choices but just accept them and, you know, spread love. Hippies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally true. I think the only people who go around putting down other relationships are people that aren't secure in themselves and have something left that they've got a, some hurt or some insecurity that they're hiding. That yeah, or projecting. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, so my conclusion is I think, you know, being open about your sexual needs to your partner, partners, whatever situation you've got going on, the sort of relationship, and if you can articulate those needs, it'll improve your life. But um, I think the issue about monogamy or, not mono- or you know, non-monogamous relationships and that discussion is probably more a discussion about how open the communication is. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. 
think it's all about what each partner needs, what, what every person wants out of a relationship rather than whether it's open or not. It's about how much communication there is and whether each other is understood really. Yeah, I wonder if, um, who knows, maybe I'll test this out, who knows, all for the podcast, right? But maybe mm-hmm. I've never <laughs> I've never been in an open relationship. I'd be interested to see going into an open relationship, what that triggers within me and the healing opportunities and learning yeah. uh, communication Just on a shout much. Out then. Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> yeah, open relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, still going to be right. No. <laughs> Is it hotline? No. Um, All applicants taken. <laughs> no. <laughs> Basically also learning in that open relationship a deep level of communication and then maybe going, oh, yeah, that's not for me maybe, but I just learned some like rad skills <laughs> from that yeah. experience that I can now bring yeah. back and go full circle. I don't know. So true. Well, you're going to get something out of it. Definitely every relationship. But um if I wasn't in a committed relationship now, there was, you know, just even having these discussions probably made me more open to even considering it. Just oh, really? That, well, the fact that you've just said, you know, what can you learn out of it? What or what would it reveal in yourself about insecurities and fears? What is it a fear? It's, a, it's about the breaking of trust. If you put out there that you've got trust in somebody to abide by a rule, even if that is that we're in an open relationship, but there are boundaries and they break that trust. That's kind of what it's, that's what the fear is for me anyway. Yeah, I think it's a great, I like to, I hate it, but I sort of love it, trigger because then it's a healing opportunity. So I'm very, I think the most intriguing part for me about an open relationship is actually what the trigger points would be and why they're there and healing them and then learning to communicate on a, deeper level and just having this like comfortability where your partner can say something about another person and be like, yeah, it's cool. You think they're hot or whatever, but I have complete self-love and don't feel threatened by this whatsoever. But yep. trust, I think is also an interesting thing as well. Cause it's not only just people focus, I believe on trusting the other partner, right? Yeah. But what I think they forget about is having self-trust, yeah, like so trusting true. themselves that, I have good instincts on this or trusting themselves that, okay, I'm going to try this open relationship, but I trust myself that if it's not right or if boundaries are being crossed, that I will do something about it. There's that trust as well. Like you can, you can change your mind. You can try something Mm -hmm. and realize it's not for you. It doesn't mean you have to commit to it um, necessarily if, if you tried it, but Mm -hmm. trusting yourself, I think is an important part. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think you really hit the nail on the head. I think that a lot of people would actually have fears in entering an open relationship or even anything in them being able to speak up and say, oh, no, I'm not okay with that. Mm. I think a lot of people feel like if they commit to something that I want to then back down or be the one that says, "Uh, no, I'm not cool with that. Yeah, but you can. That's the incredible part. Yeah, you can. Yeah. In any relationship, you can go, no. Exactly. It's and just communication. In a relationship where you say there's no rules, suddenly halfway through you can go, actually, you know, I, I don't like that. That's not good for me. Yeah. Well, I feel like society pretty much does that. I mean, we have these laws, right, but where did they come from? Thin yeah, air. Exactly. No, they didn't come out of thin air. 
someone made them up along the way and then people keep changing their minds so they either amend them, get rid of them or create new ones so we can do that in our relationship as well. The government's doing that every day. Layers on layers and layers of stuff. Yeah, true. And that kind of happens, I guess that's probably what happens towards the end of a really messy relationship. There's like there's so much history. There's like rules and rules and rules and things that you're just trying to remember about each other and <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have a relationship with someone that you know well that I loved a lot. Yeah. Who was very difficult to live with and did things like leave toilet rolls in the bathroom. And that sounds really small and sounded really small to most people, but it was like everything that you could possibly imagine that was annoying. And yeah. it was on my mind 24 hours a day. Because the toilet roll in the bathroom. The whole, just all of the little things in the house. And yeah. it's really be really telling that we couldn't live together at all. But um and it took us a long time to admit that because outside of that we were fantastic. Yeah, you've just got all these little intricacies that start building up in a relationship and you've got to see that like, I don't know, sometimes it's really easy for some and sometimes it's just complicated, complex. But um I guess it's about finding a line, fun navigating through two people with each other, two personalities fitting together. Yeah, it's, mm. it's balancing, it's balancing growth, it's supporting the growth, it's balancing different opinions, different values, yeah. maybe yeah. similar values. It's yeah. quite interesting and that's you need to listen to the other episode of this with Roman that we talk about because yeah. um, he actually ended up saying that he feels like there's more growth opportunities and it's much more testing to be in a monogamous relationship because you have to go, I commit to this person and then there's trigger points and there's this le- there's an ability to really go a lot more deeper with that person if you choose. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there'd be opportunity for growth in both, not necessarily even measurable because yeah. each, like, relationship's different and mm. I don't think even compared to monogamous relationships to each other. Yeah, I agree that there'd be, there's definitely opportunity for growth in monogamous relationships in the long term. It's hard work. It is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting to me about mm-hmm. monogamy and open relationships and the dynamics and everything like that. I think it's a very interesting time that really I think it's deal. great that we're just questioning things at the moment for people to be able to really think about things and what works for them and what their values are and coming up with their own conclusions that suit them. And my belief is as long as it's not hurting someone else in the sense of, you know, deliberately hurting someone else or hurting the environment, we should be free to be able to be our true selves. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you. It's a very enlightening topic. (laughs) You have just listened to Our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted to our next episode. Connect with us via Twitter. And if you have any questions, please email my question at ourdeepestsecretsrevealed.com. Help us get the word out there and email a friend or two today about this episode. You can go over to iTunes and share the episode directly to a friend via a tweet, Facebook Messenger share, or post it to your profile. Otherwise, you can copy the link and email it. Thank you so much for sharing. Until next time, keep shining. Enjoyed this episode of our Deepest Secrets Reveal? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's like leaving a tip. 
and really appreciated. Thank you.